Hello there, everyone. It's Sunday night, and that means it's time for another episode of Explain Yourself. I'm here with my co-host, Joey Galvez of Geek Collective, and we have some great characters here tonight with some fantastic books to show off. Joey, how's your week been, man? Dude, it's it's been it's been uh, pretty pretty awesome, actually, because uh, in, in Arizona, we can actually turn off our air conditioning uh, for most of the day, <laughs> and we can enjoy the weather a little bit. Right now, it's like sitting at, at 75 degrees out my side, man. And I'm like, it is heaven. Um, and, but there is one point in the day where it hits like 85 80 to 89. You're like, all right, should we turn on the air conditioning yet? <laughs> Other than that, because I, I see a lot of my friends out there, they're like, oh, first snow of the year. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. it's perfect and 75 degrees out here. It's sunny. <laughs> yeah, Ohio got the we our friends in Cleveland got snow last week or actually on Halloween, and uh, we're just dealing with all our leaves up here. So that's uh, yeah. it's not too bad. Uh, yeah. When you don't have time to deal with it, it's kind of bad. But uh, it sure, it's nice to look at. I'll take it over any other uh, type of weather problem. I'm right 100%. there with you, man. <laughs> but other than that, it's been uh, it's been actually really fun talking about all these books. Tons of really cool uh, kickstarters have have launched in the last week or two. Um, we're going to be talking about a handful of these ones here. Um, I have a couple of friends coming back that that uh, that I've um, known for a little bit now. That the father and son team. We're going to be talking to Drew and Lee Ferguson. We're going to have a couple other people coming in, um, hopefully, uh, and then um, some really cool stuff. And a couple of new books that I ha- I've actually not seen. Um, so I'm I'm just really excited to dig into this, this episode, man. Me too. So let's bring in our guests. We've got Drew and Lee Ferguson, and we have Joseph Dews. Um, Lee and Drew are working on a book called Malicent Black, which is really cool looking. And Joey is working on a book called Super Heresy Showcase 1974. Um, both really cool projects, and um, we're excited to hear about it from you guys. So, um, Lee and Drew, let's start with you guys. Um, give us like the quick elevator pitch on Malicent Black, and um, just kind of tell us like the sort of 30-second minute long pitch for readers, and just a little bit more about the campaign. Gotcha. So the quick pitch is uh, it's a sci-fi cultist you really wish you didn't need. Malice in Black. No matter what planet you're on, sometimes you look into the darkness and find it smiling back at you. There are a handful of specialists, experts, and idiots alike you could call to deal with that kind of thing. But only one of the names on that list keeps the dark and the light up at night. Only one of those names truly loves wading into the depths of whatever fresh hell they've discovered to go full blood and guts and cosmic screaming. Only one of those names truly understands the creature she faces. The universe might not want the curse of the cultist, but that doesn't mean the universe doesn't need her. And so begins the long, painful, torturous redemption of malice and black <laughs> sounds good sounds good um, <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. a great we'll get a chance to look at this a little bit um in a few minutes but uh, it's a great looking campaign so we're excited to go into that in more depth um joseph tell us a little bit about super heresy showcase yeah it's an anthology book uh it's uh <clears throat> two stories of uh taking actual comic book heroines from the 1940s who are now in the public domain and uh, telling new stories with them uh, dealing with interdimensional threats and uh, kind of playing with some of the tropes, the genre as they existed in the 1940s and the 1970s, um, mixing it with the whole relevance movement of comics and uh, having everything flat colored and half tone filtered like uh, looks, so it looks like an older comic. Yeah, and I've seen some of this. You definitely managed to capture a lot of that, that cool Golden Age feel. And if anybody's read my book, Scarlet Twilight. Uh, you'll know I'm a big fan of that stuff. So um, I want to take a little bit of a closer look at these campaigns. So um, Drew Lee, if you want to bring up your campaign page and yeah. share it, we can kind of go through. People can see some of this great artwork and uh, and can get into a little bit more depth with the story and characters. Okay. Hey, Sherry, we should be coming up here in a second. There we go. You guys All see right. that? There we go. Nice. Okay. There in a so that's just a little little short pitch there with our logo. Uh, we've got different art here. Uh, some interior pages here. These are the first, I want to say, what, first four pages? <clears throat> the coloring on this, just that absolutely. We went back and forth in the coloring of this mm-hmm. over and over because the coloring really adds, I think, to the just setting you in the world in this book in particular. Um, but mm-hmm. just the, the bright neon lighting there, just absolutely, you just killed it on that oh, like, guys in that statue i love so oh, awesome i feel like uh a, like a lot of uh kickstarter books right now are doing these really gorgeous looking fluorescent colored mm. bright bright color 
coloring books but it, it's it's such a cool thing that we can see right now man um i'm so excited to see all this kind of stuff uh the colors are are like uh really really awesome in this thing man so uh, tell us a little bit about that i think uh um one of the, that's one of the things that popped out to me i, I don't know about mm-hmm. you i was looking through the stuff i was like the colors on this one is is like really on point we're just always i think the things that really hit us visually are like really bright, you know, like, like, like Tron or speed racer or uh, like mm. movies like that really have this visceral look to them that we, we really love. So uh, we just wanted to bring that in. If you were to say, I'm just talking gun, same deal. It's got kind of different, but it's got really vivid colors and the color isn't just like there as the setting, but it's there to kind of set the mood a little bit too. And, and then you guys, you guys did salmon is talking gun. That one was, was red and white, right? Coloring. Mostly, yeah, red, black, and white a lot, especially the violent moments we did red. Very cool. Yeah. Gary Frank cover. And here. this Gary Frank, this is what caught my eye when yeah. Joey sent this campaign over. I'm like, is that a Gary Frank cover? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely floored us when this came in. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, all the artwork is. This is it's cool to see. Uh, but yeah, this book has such a great, uh, and we'll get a little bit into the characters and kind of mm-hmm. you guys just process because I'm interested in that too. But I think this one had such a uh, distinctive visual identity, and I think that's something that stands out when you look at a lot of Kickstarter pages. You've got like a cover by one artist, another artist, interior mm. pages by somebody else. The logo is a little different. In this one, I, you just scroll down, you've got the same vibe coming across uh, the whole right. thing. It feels consistent. I feel like somehow that promises a good story to me. It feels like the yeah. thing has been thought out and organized uh, in a really intelligent way. So um, that really stood out. But um, you guys, so I think you worked in the story together and developed it. Yeah, so we've been we were tossing this around and interject whatever you want here, Dad. And I talk endlessly, um, but uh, we've been tossing this around for a little over a year now. I feel like uh, we just we got the opportunity. We just wanted to do something, you know, another new thing together, brand new, start fresh. And uh, so we we started this about a year ago, and it kind of snowballed from there to where we had the same you know document open. And we would just add things into it, and it got to the point where we didn't know, you know, whose idea this was or whose idea that was. It doesn't matter because it all just feels – all the ideas fit Malicent perfectly. We knew we were on the right track with it. So we kind of had an idea what we wanted to do in the first issue. So I went out and I, you know, kind of wrote the script. We brought it back, and we workshopped the script back and forth a little bit. And then over the last few months, you know, the art process has been going through, and now it's out to uh, DC Hopkins for lettering. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's, um, so this is kind of, I, I guess, sci-fi with a little bit of a horror, uh, you know, mm-hmm. element to it. And uh, you told us a little bit about the character and that elevator pitch, but, um, like, how did you, did, did you start with the character on this? And how do you see her, uh, you know, just her identity, the type of hero she is, other people she's like in, in other stories? Like, what were you looking to do with um, with this character? I think the first words we said to each other was uh, John Constantine in space. And that was okay. where we started from. Um, so it's kind of, we definitely wanted a, a bit of a broken character uh, to start with, like someone who kind of works both directions, you know, to the dark and the light, but uh, has something in them that wants to do good. They just might not always know how to do that or might have lost their way at some point. Uh, so we wanted to play with that and try to figure out how to, our favorite stuff is characters who kind of feel broken and you wonder if they can be redeemed. And then the the process of trying to redeem them, you know, that's that's sort of our favorite thing, characterized to do. So this is a good opportunity, I think, for us to to try it at least. Oh, and it's that's obviously a really good angle with you know a lot of fertile story, you know, ground to cover. And I think just contrasting what you described there with you know all these colors, the the far out situations, the bigger than life stuff, um, you know, that's a that's a good mix that really that really lands. Some very cool stuff. Um, so this is the first issue of Malice in Black? Yeah, yep. It's the, the first anything anyone's ever seen in Malice in Black will be here in this Kickstarter. Cool. And then do you have a lot more plans with this character? I'm oh, assuming yeah. you probably do. Uh, but is this part of a bigger story? Is it or is it like a miniseries that's going to do one through four and get collected? Or are you kind of just see doing standalone, you know, initial issues like that are just kind of a complete adventure? Uh, we've always both admired how uh, Mike Mignola tells Hellboy stories, where mm-hmm. each one is kind of its own self-contained thing, but it all adds to a larger narrative as you go, and it you know it reaches certain logical points uh, along the way. So I think that's right now our, our plan. We like to do this for a hell of a long time. Uh, we have a lot of ideas, but there's a definitely an overarching place we want to get to with this. Yeah, I think that's something that's gotten lost in 
any type of comics, be them Kickstarters, uh, indie comics, or even some of the mainstream stuff is it's, it's all kind of set arcs. It's a 12 issue arc. It's a six issue arc, uh, four issues. If you're in the Indies, which is, you know, what I generally end up doing, but I think there's like, even if you're not going to have a complete story in each issue, the, even if you're just thinking about that and making sure there's enough cool stuff per issue, um, really, I think adds the, the, the satisfaction a reader gets from it. I, Honestly, I think it makes it a lot easier to write, but yeah. I, I'm glad to see when you've seen some of these projects that are just an issue and they're not issue one of four, um, you kind of know you're going to get a good ride out of that. It's going to be a fun story. It's going to have seeds for future stuff, but it's going to be, you know, if you look at a lot of the great TV from the 80s and 90s and kind of the golden age of television before you know, Sopranos and all that started, which I love too, but you kind of knew you were going to sit down and watch the X-Files and get a really good hour of television, but also going to get some, you know, some seeds planted for future episodes or the bigger stories. Uh, and that, that always kind of made things fun. I, when I go back and watch things like that, uh, I'm always struck by how much, how much satisfaction I get from watching something that's like, Hey, this is just, you're going to get a beginning, middle and end. Mm -hmm. You might get a few crumbs that are going to lead to a larger thing, but it's going to be, this is going to be a fun hour or half hour, whatever it is. Um, I really like how that story structure uh, tends to go. So. Definitely the Hellboy models, I think a good example of that in comics. Um, they're not that long, but they, they really take you on that journey in a good way. It allows the spontaneity in there a little bit. You know, you can kind yeah. of go off the beaten path and do something fun and it still counts. And, but then you can go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it lets you every now and then. And I think Hellboy's again, a great example of this. You can just do kind of a weird, you can do a funny book. You can mm -hmm. do like things can be a little off and it's not like, well, this doesn't fit into this arc. So I can't mm -hmm. really have a good place for it um so i think that's something i'd love to see more from i see a lot more of it in indie comics i'd love to see more of it in the mainstream too just because it's it's a nice way to to interact with these characters be they newer ones or ones we have a really a long-standing relationship with uh, i wanted to ask too a little bit i think this might fall under the artwork um, we talked about the color uh, the line work is obviously really beautiful um, and it looks like you guys have done a lot of design work here, uh, like almost the type of level of pre-production you'd see from a movie or an animated series. Uh, was that a process you kind of did separately or did you just do it kind of on the page and, and have a good idea of what it was going to be? Uh, for me, at least on my part, uh, I just write a lot of weird stuff in the script and then <laughs> dad just kind of comes back and blows me away. Either, you know, does what the script is thinking, you know, or it just completely kills it and does something new that I had not thought like this whole thing, the mm -hmm. whole, you know, floating castle in space with the tongue coming out and stuff that was nowhere in the script. And it is beautiful. <laughs> I love it so dearly. <laughs> so it a lot awesome. of it. Yeah. From my end, it's, I throw some stuff out there, but he absolutely just finds new balls that hit and knocks them out of the park. Very cool. Um, we had a cool comment here from Hyper Potato um, for you, Drew. It's like, do you plan to incorporate ghost corpses as discussed on Whatnot streams in your future stories? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, can, there's, I, I can't talk a whole lot about certain things uh, for, for fear of giving things away. But yeah, yeah, indeed. Fair enough. So is this, I, I'm not familiar with that. What are the, if you can talk about mm -hmm. it, what are the ghost corpses? Uh, this... This is related to, you know, a ghost okay. in the issue here a little bit. Um, so we've kind of got an, an idea of uh, physical stuff that might be left from somebody who who was around uh, if their their ghost part is not going to have that. So if there were a ghost of this guy somewhere, he wouldn't have that arm. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Sounds like that. Sure. I, I can see that being a plot point. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> And we have another comment here asking any shenanigans. I'm not sure exactly who this is for, but uh, <laughs> always I can I can say too. never on my end. But <laughs> maybe our guests feel differently. That's okay. Um, well, this looks cool, and I think we'll come back to it a little bit. But um, Joseph, I want to switch over to you if you can share your campaign. Uh, we will talk about some Golden Age superheroes, which I always love to do. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't see it yet. I think it's. You guys seeing it or let's see? Uh, not yet. Let's give it another mm. couple seconds. If it doesn't show, I'll uh, I'll just share it for you, and you can okay. you can tell me where to scroll. Okay. All right, I'll do that now. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I guess it didn't work. Okay. So okay. there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
So, uh, yeah, this is our fourth Super Heresies book and our uh, third Super Heresies Showcase book. Uh, Basically, what we do is we we take these public domain comic book heroes and uh, give them new stories. And uh, they are all self-contained stories, but they all take place in the same universe. So you don't have to read any of the other ones. But uh, if you do, um, you'll get little hints about them being in the same universe. And there's kind of a meta plot. and then uh, we have a gift there showing both of our covers. Um, our main cover was by Mike DiCarlo, who is a four-decade veteran of comics. Oh, I, um, I know who Mark DiCarlo is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's, you know, he's done Batman. He was he was famously the inker that killed on the on the story that killed Jason Todd. Um, he also he also uh, uh, was the inker on Omega Man number three, the first appearance of Lobo. Um, he worked for Marvel, Valiant. Bongo comics. Um, uh, anyway, so we had him do this homage cover. It's an homage to uh, Captain America 137 with Captain America and the Falcon facing off against Spider-Man. Um, so uh, we have our two heroines in the front, and our bad guy is uh, the plotter, who is a, a comic book writer who has discovered that um, everything he writes about is is coming true in a different parallel world. Um, and so he writes himself into the story so that he can go on a crime wave and prove that he is a superior crime writer. <clears throat> uh, so it's very difficult uh, for the hero to stop him because he has the powers of a god in the, in the comic book world. Um, so that's the first story is 15 pages. Um, and then the second story uh, is about a superheroine who has been around since the 1940s and um yeah you can go ahead and scroll down um yeah no, that was our second cover too by summerdale who uh who did us a little thirsty cover there um and uh then uh uh yeah so that's the first story um it's basically an adaptation of a 1942 story um that we change a bunch of stuff around and make it a little bit more meta uh and then the, the second one is uh kind of a mix of um, this 1940s heroine, Super Ann, um, and then, you know, within the story, she'd been around since the 40s, um, but in the 70s, she sort of becomes disillusioned and starts traveling across America to help people that she might have missed, and it's like a very Green Lantern, Green Arrow type of uh, relevant early 1970s story, and uh, she finds out that there are toxic waste monsters being emanated from the exhaust fumes of a motorcycle gang. <laughs> uh, unwittingly, and uh, so she has to figure out what's going on and stop them before they pollute the earth. And uh, it's uh, um, also was taken elements from some early '70s public domain um, Skywald comics, a horror comics, Scream and Nightmare, as well as um, Hell Rider, which was a, a short-lived Skywald uh, Skywald uh, superhero comic. Um, and so we kind of mix all the '70s stuff in there. There's like all that biker culture. Um, relevance comics, uh, environmentalism, um, and a little bit of the uh, the uh, satanic panic in there. Um, but, uh, you know, we use these stories to kind of comment on how superheroes have affected the Western comics industry. Um, sort of, you know, the way I like to think of it is it's it's sort of a... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, some, something like like the boys or something where you, where where it's you take all the tropes but uh instead of like shitting on them we just kind of use them in different ways uh um and then uh, also we have a companion volume where we reprint uh, the first appearances of the characters that inspired uh ours oh, cool. and uh <laughs> yes yeah, so we saw some of those pages um, and then we also have all the previous Super Heresy issues. Um, we have t-shirts for the first time. We go down a little bit. Um, okay. We see the t-shirt design. Um, my, my youngest daughter wanted to be the model for that. It was a little bit big. For, uh, um, and then, uh, the, the, yeah, the t-shirts I'm really excited about. David Jackson, over a course of a year, year and a half, he drew a bunch of these characters for me. Um, some of them we've used, some of them we haven't yet. So, some in some ways is kind of a preview of, of upcoming stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I just put all those together on the same shirt and uh, put Mystery Men Comics number one um, in the background with our our our, uh, our logos. Uh, Winston Jordan, who 
who just passed away was our was our logo designer for mo most of these logos and uh yeah so we are also giving away uh free indie comic pdfs we hit certain backer milestones so yeah you got any questions or I have a few uh, questions. Um, I want to get back to Mike DiCarlo because I'm a huge fan of his. I've ever, I've ever since I read, I think of these issues you could get at Walmart that were packaged in threes, and he was the inker on most of them, and the other ones were Tom Mandrake uh, doing pencils and inks. But the stuff, I'm a big Jim Aparo fan. I have ever since I saw his first stuff. But the ones that Mike DiCarlo inked were always my favorite. I would go to the first page and see if Aparo was inking himself, if it was the later stuff where it was kind of a chalky black line sort of thing. But that era where it was like Jason Todd kind of going off the rails was like the best Jim Aparo stuff um, I've ever seen. So uh, I was really yeah. excited to see you had him doing a variant. Um, and I do want to get back to that a little bit. Um, but I wanted to ask you about all these um, superheroes. I'm really interested in using public domain superheroes for some of my upcoming projects. And as I looked at this picture, that's your T-shirt design. Um, a lot of these guys do look familiar. Are these are some of these are adaptations of uh of existing golden age characters that are in the public domain. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got, uh, let's see, Black Orchid, Madame Fatale, Dr. Miracle, Dash Darwell, King of Darkness, Duke of Darkness. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. You got a uh, Gravity Girl is kind of our version of Bullet Girl. She's the one in the first story. Um, Super Ann stars in our second story. Um, yeah, we got our version of the wizard uh, named La Hecasera. Um, yeah, there's a whole there's like 18 characters in there, but yeah, they're they're all from um, comic books that are now in the public domain. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them we've changed significantly; others we have changed slightly. Some of them we have really not changed too much at all. Um, what's really cool to think about these characters is a lot of them they didn't have much of a run um so they weren't really explored uh they didn't they didn't get to grow up they didn't get to go grow old and i and i think exploring that is is really interesting um some of them never had origins some of them never had real names um mm -hmm. some of them never had code names some of them never had costumes uh so um just filling in all those blanks you know for some of these characters they, they had so much potential uh but they just didn't didn't really hit with the audience you know yeah, I mean, some of this stuff was so fly by night back then that you know you just would, you'd see a character in a backup of something and it would just never, never pop up. Yeah. again. have you read that? Um, it was something called the Next Issue Project that Image did. I want to say um, like I, ten years I ago not, or something I, like that. Yeah, I've not read that. I've heard of it though. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen some of the covers and stuff where they where they just took uh, previous comics that were canceled and like did the next issue of them. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a really cool concept to me. Yeah, it was. Some of it was it was hit or miss, like a lot of the little comics were. But it was a cool, I think, an attempt to really go with where, you know, the fact they were picking up from what hypothetically would have been the next issue was cool. Uh, but they also took like a very, what I guess at the time, you know, now we call sort of meta look at it um, and kind of explore a little bit of the absurdities these characters had or, or things that when you read it now, they seem weird that they just did in a, in a certain way. Um, but yeah, I've always just been a huge fan of those old characters. Um, and I'm hoping to figure out if I can use uh, a few of the good ones for the next uh, volume of Scarlet Twilight, but still doing some research there. Uh, but it's, I, I've seen a lot more people, um, and I'm, I'm sort of hoping I can get this book rolling in time before everybody takes all the good ideas, but mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot more people like yourself doing Golden Age stuff and sometimes specifically using characters. So I think there is a, a good groundswell of, of people looking for uh, looks at these old characters, um, whether they're really faithful, whether they're updated takes, they kind of take an ironic look at it. Uh, I do think there's there's something cool about those old comics, even if they don't totally work in the way that we're accustomed to reading comics every month now. Um, there is something there that's that's cool. There's a good atmosphere. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really happy to see a lot of other creators trying to plumb those depths and see what cool stuff is down there. Um, yeah, I did want to ask uh, you. It's, oh, good. It's really fun, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I did want to ask you about, um, are you doing the artwork for these? Or um, tell us a little bit about your art team, uh, aside from the cover. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have two different stories. So we have two different line artists. Uh, our first one is Kyron Silva, who has done Saw the Lightning Wielder, uh, has done uh, Shaman's Destiny, um, a bunch of comics. Um, he's, he's also a writer and an artist. Um, 
so uh, so yeah, he did our first story uh, called The Plotter. Um, and then uh, our second story was by uh, Raul Orte Crespo, who has done a bunch of comics for us. Um, most, probably maybe most famously, Doctor Orange, our Halloween horror story, um, and uh, and Jerome uh, Rapaja did our, our our color, our flat colors for them. Um, and then I just mm-hmm. put them under a half tone filter, uh, so they look uh, so. It, it's kind of it kind of mutes the colors uh, almost. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it looks like a little, a little, uh, a little older. Uh, so it's, it's. It, 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 I think it looks pretty cool. Some people are going to be like, "Oh, the colors. It's not. It doesn't look. You know, <laughs> it's. You don't have the renders. Well, it's not. You know, whatever. But yeah, it's. Yeah. It's. Uh, it, I think it looks really cool, and it reminds me of when I was growing up, and you can get comics at the Seven Eleven and stuff. Yeah, that's 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 the same stuff I used to do, and I think. Actually, I knew a guy that I worked with when I was in Cleveland who was uh, like online friends with one of the guys that did the pre-press sort of stuff for the Marvel trades. And they would really go back and forth because at the time they were printing on the super glossy paper with the same colors that they had printed on back in the day. But those were intended for newsprint where they'd soak in and really get muted. Um, And so a few times they'd either mute the colors or print them on different paper so they would, would kind of flatten out a little bit. But people wanted they kind of rebelled they said no we like it on the glossy paper just being super garish and they were they were kind of surprised as i would be but um i think people have kind of gotten it now it's people like yeah wasn't newsprint a little bit different and i that may be due to like the fact that people collect comics so much more now and i think have an appreciation of that older stuff and besides it just being a vague memory um they can kind of remember what was cool about it and as i'm looking at this page in particular i wanted to mention you didn't got i don't know if everybody can see it um, on here, but like you even have these things where it looks like the, the blacks didn't kind of all soak in, um, which looks very retro and very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The half tone, the half tone filter does that uh, in some cases. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I just I just love the way these these look when they when they end up coming out. Um, I even I do a lettering on them. I even vary up the, the lettering a little bit just to make it look like you know um, there was a period like in the seventies where they were told. The letterers were told, um, like, get the letters out of the way of the art. So that so they they were trying to push everything into the corners um, when you did dialogue bubbles. So I, I did that a lot on the '70s story, just trying to put everything in a corner. Um, uh, it's not always possible, obviously, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, it's interesting because you see a lot of indie comics recently where they just avoid the corners entirely, um, and they did. Just, always want to have complete ovals you know mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i did pretty much the opposite in this one uh, and in, in some of our previous ones too um where uh where everything is in a corner and um so like the art is kind of in the center uh, of everything yeah no it's definitely it has the the feel of those old pages which is um really fun to see good stuff yeah. so the link um this campaign is got four days to go um, it's a little bit, it's got a little bit to go before it gets to the goal. And if you want to check it out, the link is in the description. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, head over to Kickstarter and find uh, Super Heresy Showcase 1974. Um, if you're a big fan of this Golden Age stuff and especially uh, revisiting those types of things with, uh, you know, through the eyes of a different audience, I think you'll really like this one. So I'm going to, we're going to kind of just go back and forth from here on out, but I wanted to go back to, um, to Lee and Drew a little bit and, uh, and kind of just ask a little bit more about your characters and um, like, what's your, as you mentioned John Constantine, and I think there's some some pretty obvious sci-fi stuff that we've seen there that probably influenced you, but um, can you kind of tell us like, was there like something that you saw or like, oh, we want to do, you know, we really like this part of this story or the visuals we saw on this that kind of inspired you to kind of put all this stuff together? Uh, you gonna start with this one? <laughs> you guys can hear me now, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the first things we said was uh, a castle in space. Mm. Yeah, um, it's the castle hangs in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, it kind of grew from there, and um, God, I don't know what I should or shouldn't say as far as and it's tough goes. because it, it kind of just was all very spontaneous like we we i don't know we watch stuff all the time together we talk about it all the time enough to where i'm sure i drive my mom crazy with it um <laughs> and but so we we both know where we're coming from very easily you know so there's a there's a shorthand that we have 
Uh, but yeah, like it, there's sort of just some Hellboy, some Flash Gordon, John Constantine thrown into a little blender, uh, and just mm-hmm. shooting out into into Malice. And I feel like with just a little bit of you know something something unique there, I think too, with her. Yeah, we both love a lot of the uh, supernatural, you know, mm-hmm. like Hellboy kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. then I, I also grew up reading like these big collections of the uh, Alex Raymond, Flash Gordon, and all. Mm-hmm. And so you know, if you can if you can find a way to bring those together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth doing, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big one of the my, one of my big entry points into comics was the Al Williamson reprints of the Star mm-hmm. Wars strips, and so that, of course, I'd be collecting everything I'd find about him and the sketchbooks and stuff. And of course, he would just talk about how much he loved Alex Raymond, and that got me into all that stuff. So I I spent probably the first three years of art school just trying to draw with those brush strokes and all that stuff because uh, it was yeah. just those. Those are kind of like that old Golden Age stuff, which, of course, it is kind of from that era. You know, like there's something there that even if the pacing and everything that you're used to seeing doesn't work in the same way that comics now kind of give you that that sort of modern pacing, you, there's just so much there in the design, the draftsmanship, just the imagination that was going on. It's so cool. Yeah. And I, I think I've said this before, and I, I think I just said it about um, Joe's project, too. There's just a lot of a lot of cool stuff to be done with trying to find ways to to mix those together and and really make it work uh, but yeah that's kind of how i break a lot of my stories too is i have just a few ideas uh, or like some visual like oh there's this giant cathedral on a, a city street or something and this is mm. happening like those images just kind of pop into my head and then mm. I, I don't usually run with them at that point but there'll be like a few other things and like maybe this idea and that idea have something to do with each other and it it just kind of mashes together you kind of like That's, find it along the way, you know, it kind of yeah. is organic along that way. It doesn't feel like you're making a thing. It feels like you're finding it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my case, it's a lot of times it's, I do think of like a cool visual, like a castle in space or just something. And of course that kind of writes itself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Why is there a castle in space? What does it look like? Um, it does kind of tell a lot of, a lot of the story visually, which is, which is cool to see. And I think that's what I, makes this campaign look so cool, aside from the fact that the character is really well designed and the artwork is really solid. Um, you know, a lot of these things, you just see them and it's, you really can get the kind of, while this is very high tech, I mean, something about the design of this ship has a little bit of this kind of, uh, you know, I'd say 1920s nouveau look to it. And, and you kind of do think like, okay, there's there's going to be kind of a horror element to this. I can, I can sort of see that. So um, I think this is an example of like, gosh, this artwork's so great and the, the design and everything about it really, um, you know, really work so well together. It's fun with that genre blend. You can go as much either direction as you want. You know, there's so many times like you're doing a hard sci-fi and you have a thing, but you can't do it because it's not a mm-hmm. sci-fi idea. With this, we can go back and forth as much as we want with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's There's obviously a lot of successful space horror stuff out there, but I, I don't feel like there's a ton of like super natural space horror in the way that like Constantine type stuff does, which is, um, you know, definitely fun to see a lot of. And I love this. This guy's got kind of like a Wally Wood 50s spacesuit on, which I also always like to see. Um, but yeah, this is just really cool stuff. Um, can, uh, Lee, can you tell us a little bit like your art process? Are you all digital or in like, how do you how do you do your work? This, this was all digital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I draw in a sketchbook, you know, whenever I can, but uh, Mm -hmm. for this, just because there were so many elements that like I would put it down and then redesign or like we, I think I did her tattoos a few different times. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would have taken me probably another half a year to get this thing done (laughs) if I hadn't been working digitally, you know, so, um, you know, there, there's some pluses and minuses to working digitally, um, but uh, we'll probably be able to get more books out a year if I keep it up digitally, you know, so. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm all digital, too. And I like just this tattoo. Like, yeah, there's no way I would, I would draw that every time. <laughs> Absolutely not. That is what computers are for. But I, I love some of this pattern you've got here, too, in the coloring. Like the um, I have a pet peeve about the halftone patterns in comics now. Like sometimes they work really well. Sometimes I'm just like especially over computer coloring that's really vivid and bright and they yeah. try and do some rendering on top of it. I'm like, Oh my God, that's horrible. Somebody needs to to stop people from doing that. There should be a warning <laughs> in Photoshop. It can flatten out a rounded image really easily. He's talking about the stuff that I send him. I'm like, Hey, look at how's this? He's like, no, 
Let's uh <laughs> No, I was I was talking actually in mind a, a very very popular artist who does the biggest franchise out there now and it's beautiful artwork, but I feel like when the colorist is going over the halftones, which look great in black and white, there should be like a little dialogue box like the like the Windows paperclip bot guy or yeah. something that says like are you sure you want to try and render over that halftone pattern? <laughs> Looks like you're trying to do something dumb. But what I like about this, that's why I was uh, getting there, is I love how you've kind of just used that as part of the color. That's that's what looks really good. And I think you get the the retro halftone feel. You incorporate that in your mind. People love it. But it's also not there kind of looking really muddy or charcoal-y, I guess, is the best way I can think of to describe it uh, when it doesn't work. So yeah, I, did I did a lot of that. sketching before we started this mm -hmm. but there was still uh the first four or five pages went through two or three passes mm -hmm. um where it was just it'll be nice to start the second book because at least malicent and her ship and suit mm -hmm. and all that will be designed but she's in a completely different place which will be designed again yeah <laughs> so. Yeah, I usually take um i mean i'll design i'll spend so much time designing some things and then some things i'm just like the first time it shows up on a page, that's when I'm going to figure it out. And I will just have to live with it if it doesn't work later or find a way to make it work. But uh, this like, that's what I asked you about the kind of, if you had a concept art stage, because some of these designs were like really strong, I think work in a lot of different contexts, uh, the ship primarily, and then obviously our uniform, just like, boy, it looks like there was almost a team of people putting together <laughs> concept art for this book before you sat down and drew it. Cause it's really, um, it all has its own vibe. Like the spacesuits are very different than her look. The ship is really cool. And, and I think uh, one thing that's cool about it that I was going to compliment on you on slash ask about was it almost looks like the type of thing that's designed for animation and that you've got these broad, you know, wing colors here. You've got the lights that are going to just be, this is a design that works if it's a tiny, tiny thing on the page. It is, it's a design that looks really cool on the splash page where it's taking up all two pages. Um, and that's why I thought like, boy, this was a really well, designed uh, comic. Oh, thank you. That's what we talk about is uh, things being designed so they can be recognizable in like a silhouette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. The, I have nothing to do with Lucas. it clearly, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> the George Lucas, like if it can't be designed, it can't be recognized in two seconds, it's uh, got to go back to yeah. the, to the drawing board. Yeah. used to say you should be able to identify every character by their outline, by their silhouette, you know, and so that, that sticks with you, you know. So I'd like to think, I mean, we went through 20 different pages of designs for oh, yeah. her, ja oh, her wow. jacket especially mm -hmm. and the color scheme exactly mm -hmm. little things changing yeah yeah no i always That's think it's important that your characters can be identified by silhouettes because one day you'll be tired and you don't want to draw anymore which i think is always good but it's it's a good story song. i mean it's one of those things that animation can do as well but comics do really well is you can just have a silhouette but you can have and you can play with it. Like you can have just Spider-Man's eyes in a black silhouette and mm -hmm. it still works, but it looks like he's really mad and it wouldn't really happen in reality. But um, it's one of those things you can do in comics that if you give yourself the right space to work with, with a design that's versatile, mm -hmm. you can do all those cool extra things and that take advantage of sort of visual comic book logic and uh, it can yeah. really make story moments shine. Well, that's the thing. If you're doing comics, you might as well take advantage of all the uh, things yeah. you can do in comics that don't work in TV and movies and novels. You know, like take advantage of all your tools, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I was surprised by when I was, um, I'd written a series before Scarlet Twilight um, that was pretty traditional in the sense of like how dialogue and things like that were handled. When I was doing my Golden Age throwback thing, um, I found there was a lot of things I could I could take advantage of like thought balloons just aren't going to be weird to people. I can deal with them a little bit ironically, but I can also just use them to, to move the story along a lot faster and say, like, I think I'd said the example to a few people was like these old comics would not show Batman going through, he'd go to an office, he'd look around, he'd go through a few drawers, but then they just say, eventually Batman found the clue and now he's, he's fighting the Joker. And that's what you wanted to see. But there are like visual tools and writing tools. I think that are, specific to comics that logistically make things so much easier but they're also just fun more fun to read and and kind of let you have control over your pacing and i think that doing your artwork that way really like i said gives you gives you so many options to uh take advantage of all those things i've seen way too many comics lately that are just like super super reference everything's widescreen it's almost like storyboards and 
and I think people are getting kind of bored of that and wanting to see comics be comics again. So um, that is what I think this does very well. But um, guys, we'll kind of go back and forth here, but tell us a little bit about the tiers you're offering and, and kind of the things you wanted to have in your campaign. Uh, so we put it like a, a nice cheaper digital option for just people who wanted to try it out or people who don't want to pay for shipping, especially overseas. The shipping is bonkers. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's just a pretty, pretty standard, like, you know, you get your standard cover for 10, line art for 15, Gary Frank cover variant for 20, his line art for uh, 25. And then we've got different bundles, like any of these covers can be uh, an add-on with whatever package you want. Um, and all the the... Lee Ferguson coverage will come signed by both of us. Oh, cool. Um, cool. And they have a remarked tier, which I think there are four slots left of currently. Um, for, sure yeah, I think there's four slots left for at 65 and then the the original art tier, uh, which is like a original art, not commission, but a, you know, a little one page balance and, you know, shot basically um, for 250. But then add on wise, we've got the script uh, just for two bucks. And uh, I'm writing a prose short story to go along with this. Uh, which is also a $5 add-on. Very cool. Very cool. If I can switch back to you, Jeff, real quick, um, take us through a little bit of your, your kind of all your tiers and stuff. We talked a little about your covers, obviously, um, and some of the add-ons for the indie comics uh, bundles, but let's get to the tiers and kind of um, take us through, uh, you know, the offerings there. Okay. That. Yeah. So we have a, a, just a basic PDF tier, uh, $5 for that. Um, you just get the story um, and a couple of vintage ads, I think. And then uh, <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, sort of a, uh, a tier that gives you a PDF of the companion, which is the reprints plus the, uh, uh, the regular stories. And then uh, the next one uh, after that uh, is the print cover A, uh, where it includes shipping, PDF, and print cover A. Uh, which is the Monte Carlo cover. Um, then we have a uh, giant PDF where it's, I think, 156 pages, and it gives you the story uh, commentary pages on the story. So all the story pages are reprinted with comment commentary on them. Um, but you also have the regular story, so so uh, the commentary is not in the way to read that. Uh, and then also you have the original scripts. Uh, so that's just kind of a bigger PDF. Um, yeah, and then uh, then we have one where you can just get cover B uh, plus the PDF, uh, and then go on to the next one. Um, yeah, so the other one, the next one is basic plus the companion edition um, uh, in print, both in print, and that also includes domestic shipping and the PDFs, or and one of the PDFs. Uh, so go on to the next one, and. Um, so the next one is a PDF catch-up. So you get PDFs of all the Super Heresies Showcase Companions, all the Super Heresies Showcases, and the original Super Heresies. Uh, so go to the next one. Yeah, um, yeah the next one you get uh, cover A and B, uh, plus the PDF, um, plus the Mystic Shipping. Good stuff. And again, um, anybody watching this now or later um, on YouTube in the description, all these campaigns are right down there. Um, so you can head over to Kickstarter and back these campaigns. But um, guys, this is these have been awesome books and it was really cool to talk about. them. Um, and I was I was really excited for this week's episode because this is just a lot of cool artwork and a lot of stuff uh, I love talking about. But um, Joey, I think we have a couple other books that we wanted to kind of go through. Um, yeah. Let's talk about those. <clears throat> yeah so excuse me so right now we have uh don't push the red button that is live we are just about 50 percent um and uh what this one is is a, a 100 plus page anthology it's got a ton of really great blockbuster creators we like travis gibb uh mario candelaria um we have uh a liana kangas cover we also have a, a francesca fantini cover uh, Francesca has a has a story in this too, so you're gonna see some really cool, gorgeous uh, interior art as well. Um, this one was curated by Oscar. He is of uh, Lima, Peru, and he uh, thought about this one uh, one night when he was talking with his his uh, girlfriend, and they were talking. You know, they were newly uh, newly they had uh, just recently got together, and they were just talking things out, and and they were they this this idea came up where 
they were like well what if you pushed a button you got a lot of money and you and you and and but somebody close to you had to die kind of a thing and they were like oh that could be a comic book because he was you know just just wanting to dip it, his toe into getting into comics and and uh he was writing a story and as he was writing that story he was kickstarting it and this one happened he so he kind of just wanted to develop something that was cool to incorporate tons of other really great creators because he was in that space and saw all the you know when you're kickstarting a book you see all these amazing creators that that um either want to help you help you out and like do cross promotions and and go on shows like this together with so he 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 wanted to kind of incorporate that into a a comic book and the way he did he thought he would he, that was the best way was to curate a really cool looking anthology so uh he did that with this prompt to you know give uh you know people the 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 question to you know if, what would you do if you were able to receive a ton of money by pressing a button uh but somebody close to you uh would have to die <clears throat> excuse me and so he re- put out the put out the, the the prompt out there then and then asked people to submit over 100 plus working <laughs> creators uh like submitted their work to it so he had to he had to like whittle it down to like 11 just 11 stories um which is nuts and then because he had a bunch of people you know submitting to this he couldn't pass up on some of these stories because they were so great and they were some from some really great uh uh, creators so he uh so there's we're gonna have a tier uh once we fund we're gonna probably open up some some uh, mystery tiers where we're gonna get some extras and, and things of that nature and we're gonna unlock some really cool new rewards um but uh yeah this is really cool and then um right now <clears throat> Mario Candelaria, he is doing a little giveaway of his own. So if anybody wanted to go and check out what he's got going on, he's got some of his own work that he's giving away because he just wanted to donate that to the to the cause. So um, if you guys check out his his uh, on his, on his uh, Twitter page, he's got a prompt out there for everybody how they can uh, submit and all that good stuff. So check that out. It's I think it's a signed trade paperback of Kill Kilchella. So if you guys are down for Kill Chilla trade paperback signed and you want to win that, go to his page on Twitter and check it out. And he's running a really cool giveaway. So um, so uh let's let's get this thing funded, uh, right? Because this is this is one of those those ambitious campaigns, but it's such a great, great, great story. Um, I love the way like the whole thought process behind it. Um, me and Ben have been working on this 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 project a little bit too. Uh, this this front cover here, uh, along with Francesca Fentini art, is as both um, mine and and Ben's um, design work here. So uh, we're really invested in this thing. We really believe in this in this project. So we really really would love if everybody can go out there and push it out, or you know, just to share a like, share, comment do whatever you can to, to help this one get over the finish line um this is a really gorgeous looking book yeah the great great artwork um there's some great teams that have done a lot of other stuff so you know the quality i think is going to be there and um the covers are great the preview art's great and uh, like joey said just to echo it it's a really fun concept i think you can you can see working in a lot of different genres very well so i think it's got something for everybody and it's you know all from some some all-star creators yeah and one really cool thing was with with this is that um before the campaign had even launched uh they received a project we love they also received a witch starter because it was during during the month of october that it that it was created and it had to do with the supernatural and the horror themes um and then on top of it we (laughs) there was a moment where i was like you know what i'm gonna just i saw that 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 kickstarter does this really cool forward fund and there's some really cool grants on there. If you guys go out, go to Kickstarter and, and look up all the funds and stuff like that, you can find a really cool uh, uh, a grant that you can sign up for. You just, you know, follow the follow the the prompts that they give you to to sign up. And um, the, we the we were able to receive a forward fund grant for this for this Kickstarter, which was which is really huge. And it, and it kind of give us gave us this really nice bump. So. So we got we got some really gorgeous looking badges as well to go with this one. We got a witch starter, a projects we love one, and a forward fund badge. So um, like, and we're getting really close to fifty percent funded on this one. So people are really really interested in, in seeing this one getting uh, 
getting into the hands of readers. Absolutely. It's like I said, great book. We've gotten to see a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff there. Um, so yeah, this is a fun one. I think uh, looking forward to seeing this one make its march to uh, to 10K. Definitely. And then um, we have a couple of them that are in uh, pre-launch um, phase right now. We have Carsis, which is uh, a new horror, uh, supernatural horror uh, book from Brian Hawkins. Um, he's got a new production company that he's going to be uh, releasing a, a ton of really great uh, horror books. Um, so if you guys really love like like the like the Vineyard or Black Cotton, um, uh, some of the team that are involved in those books are going to be be launching this uh, this Kickstarter. So this one's going to be coming up here in the next few weeks. So check it out. Um, gorgeous looking uh, book as well. Um, Nathan Kelly's the ar- artist on this one. Um, so <clears throat> great looking stuff that says follows a paranormal investigator who, uh, who becomes in- entangled in this mystery where he's called to, to Thompson pass Alaska in this frigid cold community, uh, where, where they find a, a body and they have no idea what happened to this person. So, uh, they come in and something, some craziness happens. So this one's, uh, and pre-launch right now, about 48 followers. We need to get. 100 followers that would be great right so um if you guys are on kickstarter check this one out click that notify me on launch absolutely yeah i I was looking at this one a little bit the other day too it's got like i'm a huge matt wagner fan and this artwork was just like right up that alley a great atmosphere it's a great setting um and and really solid story and art so definitely want to check this one out in fact i'm looking uh, at them getting the rest of the pages to us just to look at because i just want to read. oh yeah <laughs> and we and we are because we are uh, sorry my kids they don't want to go to sleep <laughs> so we're 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 lucky enough to be working with this team on the on the back end of stuff and and because we're working with them as their their pr reps and we're working with the the project project management stuff so while we're doing all this stuff and we see these pages coming in and they're so gorgeous right now we're waiting on lettering on on a handful of pages and i'm just, i'm just really excited to kind of see the letters and see the the process kind of come through like that's the funnest thing to do like to, you see the artwork and then and then when you send it out to for the lettering and the those first lettering lettered pages come in and you're just like oh my gosh this is freaking cool um I, I, I know, I know, Drew, Drew. Look, I see your face over there. How do you feel? So, first time you see that, man. Yeah, it's very special once you see it lettered. Like this is actually like this is a comic book now. You know, like mm-hmm. we got words. It's great, right? That's <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, I can read. What this uh, is now. I can now. I know what they're saying. But well, that's one of the best things, though, right? With with uh, when you send things out, like uh, there's, I always heard so, uh, a handful of really great great creators say this. Um, like you, you, you want to be able to look at a page without any words and know exactly mm-hmm. what they're doing, right? Um, I, I think I do. This is one of the one of the books that I've seen like most pages without any words, and I'm like, I already know what's going on. And I yeah. feel like if they 100%. give me if they give me words, I'm gonna be like, man, that is not how it happened in my head. <laughs> you know, actually, and I'm not making this up. I, as we were just saying, like. I thought that maybe I'd seen the letters and I wasn't sure if I had or not, but the story was so clear. I, I really can't remember if I did or not. Right. Um, and that's, I love that. I love that when you can see that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a good one. Like I said, I'm a big Matt Wagner fan. This art looks, has a lot in common with that. So I was, I was digging it. But other than that, I think we have a little bit of cool uh, geek collective dues to share as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now. So if you guys, um, we are uh i guess we're gonna announce it because uh we have been working with uh, gemini mailer a mailing supply for quite some time now they have recently recently sent us out an email and we are now officially a uh gemini mailing supply uh partner uh, affiliate partner so if you guys head on over to gemini mailing supply.com and you use geek collective 10 at checkout you guys get 10 percent off on your till um we are huge 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 advocates of gemini mailers here um they are the best out there like we we've talked to so many creators and yes there are other mailers out there but i i i I feel like uh, maybe i'm biased because we're getting paid to do this but i am gonna tell you guys (laughs) that they are far superior over any other mailer out there i'm i swear by gemini mailers (laughs) Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I've like, I've had books show up 
damage or I had some of my books when I was um, using a different fulfillment place that kind of went out and they said, hey, this was screwed up. And then they sent me the package, the artwork, you know, the picture of the package. I'm like, oh, well, I can, I can see why this happened and kind of had some egg in my face because I assumed they were going out with Gemini's. And I think the worst, the best thing you can say is if something does happen, somebody sees that, they know you at least took all the steps you could to get that book to them in the uh, condition it ought to be. This is this is one of those those mediums, right? That it's it's a visual medium, it's a collector's medium, right? So you you want to make sure that you are giving, uh, like you want to make sure that shipping you don't skimp on the shipping a little bit there. Like I don't know if that's really bad to say in a group setting like this, right? But but I feel like if, as as a person who purchases Kickstarter books, like when I get a book in a really good mailer, and I'm like, oh, I know my book is going to be clean and pristine, especially my the collector side. Like, look, I got all these books on the wall, man. These things are all pristine. Like, they're all near mint, dude. Like, I don't want anybody to mess up my book, right? Uh, and I, I feel like if I if I see a Gemini in the mail, I'm just I already, I don't even question it. I already know it's going to be nice and clean. Absolutely. And it's, I was surprised when I started doing my Kickstarter because I'm not actually a big collector. Um, I mean, I have most of my comics have had a sandwich sitting on them at some point, as bad oh, as that man. might be to admit. <laughs> I, I just as long as I can read it, as long as the artwork's I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm cool with it. And I, I really found when I kind of got into this world of the, the crowdfunding and stuff, like people really want to have like a few copies of something, they want to be in good shape. And um, you know, that was that was an education for me. So it's it's good to to be able to respond to that. That's uh, whoever if somebody wants right. to support my comic, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting them all the things they want from it that I can get them. So definitely good to do. Absolutely. And that also is in the description uh, below the links to all these great books. Um, so that is there to copy and paste if you're heading over to Gemini Comic Supply. Yeah, we we got a, We just got a couple minutes left. But before we head out, we do want to mention that uh, Geek Collective is now a full service comic book creative studio. So we help creators anything from concept to shelf and everything in between. If you guys are looking for artists, interior artists, cover artists, letterers, writers, um, uh, trailers, uh, we mean like that. Right now, uh, me and Ben are working on several trailers for comic creators. And those are like the hot commodity right now. So and and they and it's and it's such an amazing thing because that the a, a really great made like well made trailer can do a really huge service for your for your book. Um, so um, I'm not just saying that because because I got the guy who makes them right here next to me. But um, it'd be awkward <laughs> if he didn't say something nice. You know, just so I, I can step really out like if people want to be you know, assured no, that we're being seriously. honest. If you guys, if you guys are looking for some for some work, and you guys want to help cut out some of the 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 you know the time that you're dealing with the business side of things, when and when you should really feel like, I know like uh, sometimes Ben's like, I really would love more time to have my head down and do some art for my own self rather than doing some work and, and doing some business side of stuff. So we will help you with that. If you guys will help you guys, uh, you know, take some of that stuff off of your plate. Uh, while you can have some time to put your head down and do some work, um, just hit us up. Head on over to geekcollective.net uh, or, um, or hit us up. Email us at info at geekcollective.net and ask some questions about our services and we can get back to you and uh, see what we can do for you. Right now we're working on, we have two, two, uh, two uh, teams that we're going to be working with some giveaways right now because it's Christmas time, right? And who doesn't love getting free stuff? Like, literally, we're going to give you guys some free stuff away here very soon. So make sure you guys are checking out uh, at underscore Geek Collective on, on X, Twitter, um, everywhere else. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on uh, my social media because we're going to be doing running some really cool giveaways. We're hopefully going to be giving some stuff away for the kids and stuff like that, too. So make sure that you guys are checking that out. That's all I got. You what you got, man? <laughs> That's all for me, guys. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a lot of fun to to check out these books. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I love science fiction. I love golden age stuff. So um, it's always fun for me to go through and talk to other creators that are kind of exploring the same territory. So I guess that's all I've got. That'll do it for this week. I want to thank our guests again for coming on the show and sharing their books with us. Uh, and I want to let everybody know um, if you're watching this now or later, come back next week, Sunday night, and we're going to have some more great comics to talk about. Have a great week and good night. Ending. We have a closing.